Welcome to the Black and Neurodiverse podcast, a series where we discuss race and neurodiversity at the same time. Being neurodivergent and black presents unique challenges, and this is a podcast where we talk about them. I'm Tyler Grant, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm black, dyslexic, autistic, creative, the founder of the Black and Neurodiverse Project. Oh, and I'm your host. In this series, we explore black, autistic, ADHD, dyslexic and dyspraxic paths to diagnosis, as well as how being neurologically different and black impacts our lives. From practical tips to in-depth discussions, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone interested in understanding what it's like to be black and in the neurominority. I chat with band grant recipients, as well as community leaders who candidly share their experiences in the hopes of helping you. Today, we're talking to Rochelle, a band grant recipient who's training to be a social worker, as well as running a social enterprise that's working to promote the repurposing of school uniforms and resources. In this episode, we discuss the pressure to be a generalist and good at everything, mental health, self-care, self-awareness, and as usual, so much more. So let's get into it. My name is Rochelle. I'm 21 years old. Um, my birthday was earlier this month, so I'm kind of I'm kind of new to this age. But um, I grew up in southeast London, still where I am now. And um, in terms of what I'm doing with myself, I just graduated from Warwick. I studied psychology and education studies. And um, I'm currently training to become a social worker. Um, and then on the side, I have a social enterprise um, called the Uniform Project and we're basically we comprise of a of a team of volunteers who are passionate about sustainability and education um, inequality and so we are kind of partnering with schools to promote the repurposing of uniforms and resources um, so yeah that's kind of that's a bit about me. That's incredible and how did you find your time at university? That is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why okay tell me why you think it's loaded and then also answer it because it's not it's not straightforward is it there's going to be high highs and there's going to be lows as well I think as a whole looking back I really valued my time at university I think it um it I think I wasn't the same person um at the start as I was when I came out of it um just in terms of self-belief self-confidence um academics like writing skills being able to critique I think it's something that um we aren't really taught in in secondary school kind of given uh template answers to reproduce over and over again but in uni you really have to critique um so kind of those skills have gone up as well and then just in general my kind of portfolio of experience and things like that has definitely increased um, and then I guess emotional intelligence as well, because, you know, you're living with people, you're meeting new people. It's kind of about how do you form friendships and relationships and then also maintain them at the same time. So I think as a whole, I, I valued it. Um, it doesn't mean that it was always easy. It's definitely not always easy. So yeah. Oh, and it, was it at uni or at what point was it that you suspected that you were neurodivergent? Yeah, so I would say... It was before uni, but um, it wasn't at the forefront. So I only, I only started taking action towards the end of uni, so in my final year. Um, and it felt like kind of a little bit too late at that point because 
education, like compulsory education was over, my degree was almost over, how would a diagnosis help me now? But um, it still felt important to do, even for myself, just having some kind of explanation. Um, so, yeah, but I would I would say I suspect I suspected it quite early, more earlier than uni began. Yeah. So I've got two questions. What conditions do you suspect that you have? Is the first part. I suspect that I have dyscalculia, which is um, kind of a difficulty with numbers and kind of mathematical concepts and unlike dyslexia which is for and kind of written written like written difficulties if that makes sense yeah I mean it does to me (laughs) um we publish out information on the neurodivergent conditions and the differences between them on our social media pages so you can go and read them there and also through the newsletter so if you sign up to that you can learn more about them there but also in terms of you said um you were questioning whether or how helpful a diagnosis at this point post post education would be and what made you decide that yes it would be useful yeah I guess for two reasons even though I'd finished um like my education um I was going to go into the workplace and specifically for my what I'm doing right now which is training to become a social worker I'm on I'm on a grad scheme so it still involves a lot of assignments and assessments I'm still technically a student and so um, there's a whole like lifelong learning aspect, which means that my workplace and people I work with need to know or should know that, hey, I might not be very great in certain areas, but, you know, this is what I can offer. And um, the second the second reason why I felt it was important was for myself. Like I like I mentioned, I need some kind of explanation of why I was finding maths or numbers very very difficult um so yeah and then how have you found the journey or like so far in like getting this diagnosis or accessing the support because you are kind of not in a limbo but like an in-between between like not to trivialize your course but like the real world and the working world and full education being that you are on a grad scheme so what's that experience been like trying to access the support that you've need yeah it's been difficult so I initially in my final year I went ahead and um tried to apply for a hardship fund at my university to um get me the what's it called to pay for the assessment because um not to my knowledge but you have to pay for these assessments they're not free and um the financial aspect put me off in the first place because, I mean, if I've lived this far without spending X amount, then I'm sure I can live some more without spending X amount. Um, my university, they encouraged me to go ahead and pay for the assessment, you know, with my own pocket and that they would reimburse like a capped amount. Um, but I just wasn't in the p- position to do that, the financial position to do that. If they had given me the money and then I, you know, paid for the service and bought the receipt or whatever as evidence, that would have made me more inclined to do that. But right there and then it wasn't the right time for me to spend that that much, um, especially because by the time my by the time I would get the diagnosis, if I would get the diagnosis, um, there wouldn't have been enough time to give me extra, what do they call it, like... Um, assessment adjustments or anything like that 
So it was like the pros and cons, they didn't weigh out. Um, yeah. But then I came across band, obviously, um, which I feel like is a more accessible way of helping people get their diagnosis, not requiring them to pay up front, which I believe is the case here. Um, but please correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, yeah. It's the kind of what we do. We're just giving away money. It's just what we do. And I feel like it, you know, it. I mean, if we put intersectionality in it, you know, I, I believe this is for black and um, ethnic minorities, the fund. Yeah, black people. But yeah, if we add in black people, <laughs> um, if, if we add in intersectionality and put in like um, income inequality and things like that, then this is way more accessible, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think one of the reasons the fund was started was because of so many people have an experience of what you did, whether, <clears throat> excuse me, whether you are in education and being forced to pay up front or whether you're not and then need to get the diagnosis to then get the support from your workplace or for whatever reason. Even Sometimes, honestly, it can just be for the validation and just to understand yourself a little bit better and know how to approach the world. Because as much as you can read these checklists, you can notice things within yourself until you've got, for some people, until you have the diagnosis, taking action's a bit more difficult. Um, so on that, what have you done, if anything, differently since noticing that you have traits for dyslexia or dyscalculia? Such an interesting question. Um, I don't know if much has changed I think I think a level of understanding has increased so less being being less harsh on myself for where I found things difficult um I think I spot the traits a bit more in myself as well you know after doing my own research and kind of being like oh yeah I do that oh yeah I've noticed that in myself and things like that um I think something that I was encouraged to do by a friend who suspects that she has ADHD she's also black um and um she she encouraged me to maybe practice a bit more so rather than let it you know let it have its impact maybe I could do some math exercises and things like that to kind of combat it that's a good suggestion that I have not taken on board um I've kind of just ignored it where I where I don't need maths I've kind of just left it out of my life which yeah, and maybe I need to take on her advice of, you know, practising and things like that. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. It can be difficult, especially because I, I'm dyslexic as well. So I find that you're not going to get better at reading until you read. Right. <laughs> but when you're not good at something, it's like, oh, it, it takes so much. Yeah. I, I'm just jealous of people who can read for joy. Right. Because reading requires so much attention that I'm just like, this is a workout for me. It's like, you know, when right, you see people exactly. who just go on like jogs. Yeah. Jog for fun and then you're like really unfit and then you go mm -hmm. and jog and it's an actual exercise. Like that's yeah. where I, that's what I feel with reading. Right. You mentioned um, that the experience on like your courses and stuff like that. And I'm just wondering how if you notice a difference in yourself compared to like the other students on the courses that you've undertaken or if it's ever held you back do you feel in like the way that you've performed? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, is this in uni or just in general? Anytime, like anytime, like uni or life. Because I think what happens when we talk about neurodiversity, a lot of the time it is framed within the workplace or education when really like these are the brains that we carry through life. So yeah. it'll have an impact. And especially 
like the, I mean this is such an obvious thing to say but dyscalculia money like that right. must be <laughs> challenging yeah. and also like dyslexia I can't I've, I'm pretty sure one of the things that holds me back from driving is the fact that I can't read road signs quickly enough right so okay. how do you find like just moving through the world with your brain really yeah um there's been a couple examples and I feel like now that I'm a bit older I can recognize them more but I guess from a very young age so literally like primary school I thought I just hated maths um but as I've grown older I realized I didn't just I didn't just hate maths I hated how much how, how hard it was for me and um so that led to me ignoring maths as a subject in primary school I didn't even know that was on my curriculum I was focused on English because that was what I was better at and because of that I had some conflict with my mother I mean the Nigerians who are listening to this will know what conflict I'm talking about but that was because she couldn't understand why I had no time for math and I was so bad at it but I could completely and wholly dedicate myself to English um and then when I reached secondary school, um, I had no basic understanding of maths because I'd ignored it for so long that when they're talking about all these fractions and stuff like that, it was even the most basic things, long division, um, what's it called, long multiplication, even short is a problem, um, <laughs> times tables and things like that, all of those basics, I had none no kind of yeah concept of that um which led to me getting kind of what's it called kind of kicked out of class for not doing the work but I wasn't doing the work because I found it so so tough and then um that caused me to have a lot of maths anxiety um as in if I saw maths was next on my timetable I would start panicking my heart would start beating I'd start crying because it was so embarrassing like to be in a classroom and it you can just hear gibberish people I'm looking at the paper and I have no clue how to apply what I'm what she's taught me what my teacher or my or he has taught me into answering the question and then um yeah I ended up in bottom set maths um and I think that was rock bottom I was like no this can't be it because it's not that I don't want to learn I'm just finding this so hard I ended up dedicating a lot of my time, like cutting back on all my other subjects, like how much I was dedicating to really honing on maths. And I was learning the basics at the age of 15 from scratch, like fractions and things like that. Um, But I think my other kind of, oh, I ended up getting a B, hallelujah. (laughs) And that just came from literally the determination. If you ask me anything that 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 I managed to, that came up in my exam now I have absolutely no clue but if you ask me to repeat my maybe my English exam I'd probably get exactly the same grade because I am quite and that's my natural um ability but in your, I guess some of the um things that are obviously not normal maybe or not typical was the fact that clocks were really hard for me to work with when I was young so my dad really had to like um teach me the clocks by using a physical one and then because of like not a physical one he would draw it on paper or something and stick hands on it and we would do that together as an activity 
and obviously I learned how to do clocks. 24-hour time was quite difficult, but I think a lot of people struggle with that anyway. Um, money, even into my years now, I'm actually happy to use contactless more now, even though it's a bit sad because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still an old soul, but money was so hard. Like, if I had to pay by cash, I would, I would be okay giving the note as long as I, like, I would be like, okay, the total's, if the total was like four pounds something, I would know, okay, five. But if it was five, like something, I would be counting. I would just give it like, because there's no note for that. It would be so hard to get what the coins were. And then my change, I would never check my change because I couldn't count it quick enough to make sure that it was correct. I would just leave people to probably bamboozling me I was probably getting um all sorts of um what's it called that yeah that was a big issue and then when I had to work customer service once the panic <laughs> the panic I basically not customer service I mean cashier um it was so tough so um like and it was so annoying because the screen would tell me how much their change was and things like that. But to get the coins together would take so long. And even then, I didn't know if I was meeting the right numbers on the screen. And we just had angry customers. I got cussed out in so many languages that day. Um, it was, yeah, it's actually traumatic. But I've cried in so many shops because I couldn't figure out, like, the money aspect of it. So, I, I mean... Yeah, at my big age, I think it. I think I was maybe twenty or nineteen um, when I last cried in the shop because the woman I was trying to refund something, and she was talking all types of mathematical numbers to me that because I've given her twenty and my total was this, she's going to give me back this much. I was like to her, "Listen, I'm not trying to be funny, but I don't have a clue what you're saying. Could you please, like." explain that again for me this was me making an effort right usually I would just take the money and go but I was like I was trying to make an effort let me see if I can understand this um even house sharing in uni became kind of hard because we all would split the money for things or you'd owe people things so it was very hard when say I bought something and people are now doing up no 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 if we just divide it by three and then we just subtract two then and you paid me last week which means that you only need two pounds I'm like hello what total do I need to give you or what total are you giving me I'm so confused right now so yeah and then into, I guess sorry I'm waffling now but no this is of, all like you know, so it, helpful because I think these are things that people yeah. don't realize like you just hear this calculator and think maths and then think maths class but like this is the lived experience no. with this like numbers are everywhere this inter 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 effects I don't know where we were going with inter this effects right. <laughs> <laughs> so many aspects of your life so please continue I'm finding this really insightful right thank you well I guess in terms of the subject so I obviously studied psychology of education at um um uni and although it sounds like I wouldn't have to work with numbers, I did quite a lot because we do a lot of statistical analysis and it's quite a science-based subject. So um, I went in it really just praying that I would be okay with the maths, but it was it proved difficult as it always does. Um, I think I was just lucky to have a really close friend who was much better at maths and we kind of just supported each other. 
um, she kind of dragged, she carried me on her back basically because otherwise I would have not been able to compute anything. Um, and again, I was fortunate enough to work with her on my dissertation because we could do pairs for our dissertation. And um, she carried the statistical analysis and that helped me to just focus on the writing, which is obviously where I don't struggle. Um, but I think it's just a bit sad, like, you know, if you're, if you, if you struggle at, if you really struggle with um, numbers and it's just one aspect of the subject you're doing, like biology, for example, it can really drag you back down, like your grade down, even though you're really great at answering the questions. But when it comes to the numbers, you just couldn't. Same with chemistry, no clue, um, because there was a lot of um, equations and things like that. It was really hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, I think what's interesting in everything you've just shared there is basically the the vast difference in your ability in writing compared to like numbers, but you were still pushed and forced to make your numbers as good as your writing rather than having yeah. like your writing praised and that be like, okay, cool, like we're struggling on this point. Let's just make this like at least average and then let you right. shine with your writing. And I think, I don't know whether it's like the education right. system or just whatever, but the pressure on everyone to be generalists and good at everything is what is wild mm -hmm. and I think I mean I would love to hear from you like what kind of support do you wish you'd have had earlier on like what could a parent have done or a teacher have done that would have made you not get to the point where you had maths anxiety I think um I completely agree you know the education system it's not a individualized way of learning or, or assessing people like you said is so generalized um but if they really looked at people's strong points they could adapt and I know it would be time consuming but isn't it worth it at the end of the day that people don't feel like rubbish because they can't meet one area but they're so good at something else mm -hmm. like you said their strength should be the thing that pulls them up but at the same time like you said you know receiving that in early intervention and that support is really important I think my primary school teachers could have maybe done more in noticing that I was um, having a hard time. Um, I was fortunate in secondary school when once I like, once I hit rock bottom with my bottoms there and I worked my way up. I don't know how, but because I, I literally dedicated all of my time to math, um, I managed to work my way up to second top. Now, when I got to second top, I said, take me back, put me back to bottom because <laughs> this is a whole nother level. I'm not, I'm not on par with my peers here. And it, that was where the tears would, fall. I would literally be there. Mid-lesson tears are falling because I literally had no clue what was going on. But my teacher was, she noticed like she picked up on my body language and um, like, yeah, my, my performance, and she basically would hold pre-school sessions and after-school sessions, and it was like, you're coming, yeah, you, this is for you, like, don't tell everyone else, but I've made this for you, I've opened it for everyone else, but I want you there, and um, when she did that, and I also buddied up with um, someone who was really good at maths, I had like a peer buddy, peer mentor kind of thing, um, it really helped me, the practice, 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 made that, meant that I could recognize even if I didn't fully understand the concept I could recognize it and through training I could recall what was needed even if I had no clue what why I was doing what I was doing and even though that sounds bad it meant that I was able to get the B just by 
that practice um, and having, yeah, having that level of support. Um, my uni was quite good in not making the maths um, modules independent study. So there was a lot of workshops and group things, which is really good for bouncing knowledge. Um, yeah, so those kind of things were really helpful. And uh, sorry, I was nodding like so much as you were saying that because there's a lot of commonalities in our experiences, just especially in school. Like you've reached that point where your ability, it, what comes naturally to you is just you, you've hit your max. And then it was at that point I was like, I can't do top set anymore. Like I'm not on these kids level. Like I yeah, petitioned right. to go into set two. And they were like, yeah. you can do it though. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't know what I'm doing. I just know <laughs> like how to get, I don't, I can't explain it. I just can't explain it. I yeah. will get the right answer, but right. don't, don't show your working. I can't. <laughs> it was more like pattern spotting rather than actually doing the, the process they're trying to teach you. It was yeah. so interesting. Um, on, I do actually have a list of questions that I should probably refer to. But, um, okay, I'll ask this final question about schooling and then we'll go on to the what we're supposed to talk about. But how was your school, like, demographically, like, racially, how was it split? Do you think that your blackness had anything to do with you being met? My school was in South East London, which is mainly, um, like, black-dominated. Um, so I guess that was the majority, actually, um, in my school. Um, I think that... There is a lack of representation in general with when it comes to neurodiversity. I mean, it's not spoken about in households and it's also not picked up on in households as well. I mean, parents would rather have conflict, again, for the Nigerians, <laughs> with their children than, under, than ask questions. Why is English so hard for you? Why are you struggling with your ABCs? You know, why is your one, two, three, you know, you can't remember them? Like, these are the questions that parents probably need to, I mean, sorry, I, I mean, parents from ethnic minority backgrounds might need to start asking their children um, to kind of spot these things and also to be accepting that your child might be different. That's okay as well in an ethnic minority household. I know you want to be the best and I know you want to, you know, strive for black, black excellence, but no one's going to be excellent excellent if you can't identify that there's a a challenge there or struggle there you know it's only when you address that then we can start looking at the excellence part and things like that only when you can get help right so I think it does start at home to kind of open the conversation and when parents maybe perhaps and I'm not trying to place it all on parents but when they perhaps can identify that in their kids for them to have the courage now to go to the school and say hey I'm noticing, like, um, Rochelle, she, at home, she's finding maths really challenging. Could you please keep an eye on her in school um, and see, like, how she's getting on, you know what I mean? And I understand that um, it's not a lot of... It's not their, it's not the fault of, you know, um, parents from ethnic minority backgrounds because they, you know, this isn't really, like... How do I say? It's not in the it's not in the not I think culture, I know what you're alluding to like it's just not common do you know what I mean yeah it's not some these are right. it's only recently like conversation about mental health are becoming all right like right exactly I it think, doesn't mean that people didn't have mental health issues before mental health was spoken about but it's hard to identify something that isn't 
you know you don't know what you mm-hmm. don't know kind of situation and it's not that black children didn't weren't neurodivergent before we started talking about it but because no one spoke about it it was hard to identify so I think it does start at home and then bringing it into the schools so that so that the schools can support because there's supposed to be a SEMCO at every school which is a special educational needs coordinator um I never met one (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know how many black black um young people have met one but we shouldn't have to suffer in silence at all because um because of that underrepresentation we shouldn't have to suffer in silence and our grades shouldn't have to bear the consequences of not being identified yeah but I think what's what we're benefiting from now as well is like we've got more not younger parents but as the parents that are coming through now is that they've been at school when there has been a senko they right. they've, they know they kind of know more right. about how the system is now obviously it's always changing but I think even back because I'm 25 now thinking back to when my mum was in school she's probably like two generations above me like they didn't have things like that so she wouldn't even know what to go in and ask for because right she didn't yeah. know like there's someone in there who's meant for children who find things difficult and it's not a case of, of course, yeah. special needs I mean again it, like special needs different needs like it's a broad category and it doesn't then I think then you've mm. got the whole work of undoing the stigma around disability and learning differences and all of that stuff but until we get to a point where yeah. we begin undoing these things and clearly share like what they mean like the good and the bad that they're not going to hold you all the way back in life but you do need support in some areas like all of these things and can just get rid of the shame and just have these free-flowing conversations between home school and the children like it's the only way it's one of the only like things that we need to move forward Mm. um I think the final thing I wanted to chat about was oh okay we've got um You've kind of covered everything, actually. Has there been anything that you've tried that has not really worked for you or, like, common, whether it's to do with, like, studying or just, like, life hacks or, like, adulting things that everyone seems to do and vibe with but just doesn't really work for you? What do you, do you mean in in regards to dyscalculia or just...? Um, just into, well, it, anything that you've tried and doesn't work for you will be related to, to some degree to dyscalculia. Like, it's something, like, a hack that someone's come up with that everyone seems to find super breezy and you're like this does not make sense or work I think the people with ADHD that I've spoken to are like Pomodoro technique miss me with that like it doesn't work for them but anything that you've tried because I know that for me um like CBT therapy I've tried that and because it's so close to autistic masking and the way it's been communicated to me in so many ways like I know that I can't do that because that becomes it leads me the more down a more dangerous path that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think, and I'm not too sure. Um, or any, okay, that's cool. Or any, like, mindset shifts that you've had since realising that you are, like, that your, your brain is different to the majority? Um, I guess, again, it would probably be the kind of acceptance thing, acceptance kind of, not acceptance, but understanding. Um, I think one thing that I could probably do better is perhaps not accept that this is going to be it for me, that numbers just can't be a thing that I touch. I think I do need to be more open to the fact that I I should probably start practicing a couple of things, to be honest, because um, I think that could be a form of self-care. And it sounds weird, but I think self-care isn't always about doing what's easy sometimes is about 
doing what what you find challenging so that you can be better as a result of it um and yeah I say that because for example um during so I was this is a bit more off topic but when I was trained when I was what's it called applying for grad schemes one of the grad schemes I applied to was teach first and um I had to do a maths um, test <laughs> for it. I had to do an English and maths and a science, I believe. Um, the, max, the maths actually ruined my life <laughs> because it was primary school maths and I struggled so much to the point of real tears, like real tears. And it was only those kind of math questions where I was like, um, Sally has put three buttons into the bag. Jamie has put three, four blue buttons into the bag the proportion that Sally's gonna pick up a red button and I'm just like I don't know Sally's gonna have to put her hand in there and find out isn't she so I think the reason that that was really hard for me as well because I was also doubting myself that if I can't do this how am I going to teach and things like that and I still want to be a teacher but I can't expect that I'm going to get better at maths like I said like you said before without facing it I am going to have to probably start practicing um, and not avoid it so I can be the best teacher for the kids as well and I think it's going to be really challenging when I enter that season of facing um, maths again because right now I just pretend it doesn't exist but it does um, it really does I wonder, it really does and I wonder now this is a bit far-fetched I wonder if this calculator is the reason why I have a hard time being on time for anything oh no and you're not no you, it probably is it probably is okay that's my excuse yeah because... <laughs> well first of all you struggle to tell the time yeah then you've got to work there's a lot of numbers involved like you've got to work out how long you've got right you you probably have to, I always have... go back I what, I what I do do though to kind of help is um I will do like a time to time kind of um time frame that I want to mm-hmm. you know work towards in my day but yeah, I don't perpetuate the stigma that black people are not on time, but it's that's my kind of reality at this point. It, it, it is what it is. Like, I think there's also the executive dysfunction or executive functioning part of it as well. Like, mm. I think most neurodivergent conditions will impact the thinking process and, and executive function part of your brain in some degree. You might not have all of it, but whatever parts you do have, like, it will impact task initiation, like, right. getting places on time working yeah. out how much time you actually need to do something like it it impacts more I mean I've said this probably twice already today mm-hmm. like it impacts more of your life than you realize yeah yeah um but yeah I'm still fighting the b what do you call it b p t black people timing is that one? <laughs> no one said I that just, okay just no, 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 it's a thing it's a thing. <laughs> it thing but I just I just don't believe in it I just feel like time does time even exist like <laughs> Does time even exists. That's my next thing when my friends say, why are you always late? I'm going to be like, time is a social construct, okay? It really is. Like, I'm here now. That's what that is. I'm here now. Like, be, be appreciative. So, thank you for talking with me today. This has been great. Yeah, um, no, thanks, thanks for having me. And, and you sure. were on time. I was, yes, I was on, I'm going to say I was on time. I had tech difficulties, but that was not that my fault. That was, no, you were here before I was. Right. Like, you were on time. Yeah, but no, this has been really great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black and Neurodiverse Podcast. I hope you found the conversation and its insights valuable. 
A special thank you to our guests and those of you who donated to the fund, because without you, this wouldn't be possible. If you're enjoying the series, please consider leaving a review or a comment wherever you're listening and sharing it with your friends or family. If you want to connect with the community as we grow and evolve, head to blackandnd.com. So that is blackandnd.com. And all the links and updates and information you'll need about who we are at the moment and what's going on, you can find it all there. Once again, thanks for listening. And until next time on the Black and Neurodiverse podcast. <laughs>